AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of this Monday, October 30th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Bob and I are with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The countdown is on. Final week of this particular time slot for us as the time change is set to take place on Sunday. So that moves things starting next Monday with the Dan Patrick Show live from 7 to 10 a.m., followed by the Sports Zone with Bob Kim from 10 to 11, and this here program from 11 to 1. We'll continue to pass along those reminders throughout the rest of the week. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. There's a game three of the World Series tonight. The series is all tied up 1-1. So who wins tonight's World Series game three at Chase Field? Diamondbacks or Rangers? The masses are on the Diamondbacks side of things at 77% of the vote. Rangers trailing at 23%, and we will officially answer that question around 11.30 today. Tossing it on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. This came from post-game comments made by head coach Jonathan Gannon. We'll get into the Cardinals game and some of those comments here momentarily. But uh, resulting in it is that Josh Jobs set to be the starter for uh, next Sunday's game in Cleveland. So are the Cardinals doing the right thing by not having Kyler Murray make his 2023 season debut next Sunday at Cleveland? The masses are on the yes side of things, Bob. This is growing. 70 2.4% of the vote, no trailing at 27.6%. Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. For the Cardinals, they lost to the Ravens 31 to 24 yesterday. Joshua Dobbs line 25 of 37, 208 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. And those two interceptions set the Ravens up with great field position. They were able to capitalize on it for 14 points. And I really think that the line here is a bit misleading because, you know, deep into the third quarter, Dobbs only had about 67 yards passing. Uh, so most of that yardage came really late in the contest. Yes, the two garbage fourth quarter touchdowns. And, yeah, I don't pay any attention to that as far as the numbers are concerned. You know, from the first drive of the game when they went uh, marched down the field, 75 yards for the opening uh, possession touchdown until it was 24 to 7. The Cardinals offense and, uh, you know, Dobbs had those two interceptions that you mentioned in this spam did pretty much nothing. Uh, so they just, uh, they were stymied and uh, part of, I think one of the reasons, uh, well, maybe two reasons. One, think that there was a certain, to some extent, letdown factor from the uh, Ravens defense. And also the Ravens had some of their defensive linemen not in during the first of you know, those two touchdown drives. You know what I find interesting 
I just kind of stumbled into this thought because we've talked a lot about how the Cardinals have had a lot of success in their first drives of the game, whether it is resulting in punching it in for seven or, you know, marching down the field but settling for three. They've gotten a lot of points through eight weeks of the season, which is obviously completely different than what we experienced last year with the struggles to get the game going and get the game started. I realize it's a lot of different players. It's an entirely different coaching staff, but just kind of now where the struggles are, you have success in that first drive and then the sustainability of it. Yeah, actually, this is more of an NFL trend for a long time, several years running that uh, there's a lot of teams that, you know, they have you know, scripted plays and so forth in that first drive. And, you know, a lot of those, uh, a lot of that script is, you know, a lot of motion and different formations. And they want to kind of see what the, how the opposing defense might actually be defending those things. And that can kind of set up for the rest of the game. But, you know, that, uh, you know, like I said, this has, I think, been a world, you know, worldwide <laughs> NFL. Well, you know, yeah, worldwide. Well, everyone's a again, world champion. Well, actually, they're playing you know, games in London and Germany and Mexico, so worldwide. I was right the first time. <laughs> so there you go. But it's a league-wide thing, and it has been for a long time. And you know, that the, uh, you know, the Cardinals, I just think, as longer as the game goes on, they get their, their, their massive number of weaknesses, enormous amount of weaknesses, just get exposed during these games, which is why they, until yesterday and garbage time, have been pathetic in the second half of every, almost every game they play. So Trey McBride was thrust into the starting tight end role with Zach Ertz going on injured reserve. We've seen some uh, flashes of him this season. We kind of had had the conversation about watching his snap count grow even when Ertz was still uh, on the active roster. So now that uh, he was officially in that star starting role, 10 catches, 95 yards, one touchdown on 14 targets. Yeah, and we talked to, you know, I think it was uh, at least the previous two weeks when Ertz was still playing, he had already, he run more routes. Uh, not necessarily gotten more snaps, but uh, he's run more routes than Ertz had. And uh, I think that even before the Ertz injury and unfortunately him going on IR uh, for at least four weeks, I think that, uh, you know, McBride has really emerged as the top tight end pass catcher even before the Ertz injury. Something to monitor, Michael Wilson, uh, he had two early targets in the game. He ended up with four catches, 58 yards, but we did see him walking to the locker room before the game was over, so uh, nothing was made of it post-game. We'll just have to see what happens this week for, for him, but trying to figure out how to get him involved in the game plan more early on. That would be a good idea. Um, kind of a, you know, kind of a you know, befuddled as to why yeah, he doesn't seem to get a whole lot of action until the fourth quarter, and they've been out of the game in the fourth quarter and you know, a few of these contests, and now it's you know, suddenly you know, his time. Uh, there was a play in the end zone. I don't remember if it was on the second-to-last touchdown drive or the last touchdown drive where you know, he you know, was you – know, there was a pass that was you know, Dobbs, unfortunately, another errant pass from Josh Dobbs, was overthrown – and uh, he was, you know, it was out of bounds, uh, and he actually hit the ground, and he did not get up real quickly. And I actually, because unfortunately of Wilson's college career at Stanford, frequently injured, 
uh, every time I see him hit the ground, I just kind of you know make sure that he gets up. And uh, he did not get up instantly when that happened. So I'm wondering if something happened when that actually occurred. We have chronicled this here after the James Connor injury. He was placed on IR trying to figure out who the starting running back is going to be. Looks like there might be some consistency here with Amari DiMarcato getting the start. 20 carries for him, 78 yards. Well, clearly better than anybody they have, but if I'm not mistaken, in fact, I was told this yesterday uh, by somebody that follows the Cardinals on a daily basis that Connor is eligible to return from the IR this week. That doesn't mean he's going to, but when he comes back, he's the guy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, James Connor, without a doubt, he's one of, I, I think when we highlighted to start the season, we would pinpoint him as one of the top five players on this Cardinals roster. Absolutely. No doubt about that. And you know, Dee Mercado has done a really nice job so far. Uh, and as you would maybe would expect, unless you're like Zeke Elliott, uh, rookie in the NFL, pass blocking is an issue. Uh, he almost got Dobbs killed back in that Cincinnati game. And I think that might have had something to do with why he was kind of uh, mysteriously absent uh, from a lot of the uh, you know, running back situations, not just carries, but situations in the following game against the Rams. Uh, yesterday, there were a couple of pass-blocking situations that I'm sure they, they could have done better or he could have done better. So, you know, and Connor's actually a very good pass protector too. So he's a veteran player, so he, he better be at that point of his career. So I think that's one thing that uh, – yeah, that certainly uh, whenever DeMarcado plays, whether it's the rest of this season or in future years or whatever, uh, that he's going to have to get uh, better at. But you would expect him just to get naturally better at that the more opportunities he has to do that. And the more defenses, the more blitzes that they see when he's out there. So here are some takeaways from head coach Jonathan Gannon, and there was a lot to make of what, what was going on with the offense and particularly with the passing game here. First up, though, uh, Gannon started the press conference postgame with hard-fought game, couple swings there off the turnovers, scored 14 points off of turnovers, kept our head down, got back into the game, ultimately didn't do enough to win it. He's obviously referring to the Ravens scoring 14 points off of two Joshua Dobbs interceptions. So the question here when they were down 21 to 7 he was asked uh, about sticking with Joshua Dobbs and not turning things over to Clayton Toon and uh, Jonathan Gannon said yeah I have complete confidence in him and I thought that he would give us the best chance to get back into the game furthermore what did he see on the two interceptions Gannon said the first one I didn't really see it kind of bang bang I think he just overthrew it a little bit I got a look at the tape on that one the second one little bit of a dirty look on the rollout so we just got to make sure we are making proper decisions and not putting it in harm's way okay first up I don't think it was a competitive game I think they got their asses handed the, uh, to them you know physically in this game and they're just outmatched uh, this is you know one of the best rosters in the league when healthy and the Ravens still not healthy, totally healthy, or close to it, quite frankly, in a couple spots, but getting healthier. And there was just an enormous difference of talent, in the, especially in the offensive and defensive lines in this game. And at no point, even when it was 7 nothing, did I really think, whoa, the Cardinals have the upper hand here. I didn't think it was ever a competitive game and never really thought for a second that the Cardinals had a chance to win it. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. I mean, I think that we had kind of, you know, that was actually one of the reasons why I thought nine and a half points, though, was a little bit too much uh, for the Ravens to cover. Just kind of coming off of the high and the euphoria of that victory that they had against the Lions and everything just clicking, traveling cross country, that they were good enough uh, to be able to win the game. But double digits maybe it was just a little bit too much but at no no point was I ever really concerned that they weren't going to to figure it out and make plays when they needed them well that was a fortunate point spread cover there I mean (laughs) all kinds of three things that had to go their way for that so you know if you bet on uh, the you know the Cardinals plus the points you're collecting your money but I'm guessing you probably thought man I got lucky as hell to win that bet Oh, definitely. Just more so saying that, you know, the I guess the sluggish nature of the Ravens, I I think, was predictable in this sense. But they still just have top to bottom more talent and more roster depth. Correct. No doubt about that. And uh, unfortunately, even when the Cardinals play mediocre teams, uh, which isn't that often the remainder of the schedule, quite frankly, But even when they play some of the worst teams in the league, almost every week, if not every week, they're going to be at a roster disadvantage. So the struggles in the passing game, Jonathan Gannon was asked about that. He says, I got to look at the tape, but the passing game is going to come down to all 11. Everyone has a role to get in going a little better than it's going right now. So we just have to work to stay consistent, do the right thing, and be on the same page. When he was asked if Dobbs will be the starter for next Sunday, he briefly said, yeah. Then when asked later on, is Kyler going to start against Atlanta, which would be the next opportunity for the Cardinals to play he says i don't know we'll see day by day guys yeah uh going back to the clayton tune thing i did uh think to myself when it was 24 to 7 that that might not be a bad opportunity to see tune play and i wonder uh wondered then and i'm still wondering now that if you know murray wasn't uh his return wasn't at least on the horizon at some uh, point here soon we think uh, whether you know, if Murray was not here or out for the season or whatever, I think there's a real chance that Toon could have been in that game yesterday. Then uh, the question here was posed to him that he often takes the blame, and Gannon interrupted him and said, yeah, that's because I'm the head coach. I am going to take the blame. The follow-up to it was, what could Gannon and the coaching staff then have done more? He says, yeah, I got to make sure that we're calling the right calls on offense, defense, special teams. We are playing the right way, all three phases to win the game, and got to make sure we are practicing the proper way to give them the looks that they need to see to make sure that we can execute. So that's a daily thing that coaches have to do, and I have to do a better job of it. I'm really sorry. It's not his fault. It's not the coaching staff's fault. It's not the front office's fault. You know, they basically made a decision, and I think the right decision, and, you know, once Kime was fired and Yamani know, Austin Fort was hired and then, you know, Gannon and coaching staff came on, they made the decision that uh, this season is not going to be a competitive one, and they made the right decision. Uh, so I, I don't think it matters what the coaching staff is doing on a week-to-week basis. They're just going to be a team that's going to win very few games. And right now, uh, as it stands out, they have, they have the first pick of the draft. And to that point, I think I would like to see some opportunities for Clayton Tune. Just do, do you have something in him being your future backup? Do you have something in him um, 
and so I was a little surprised that it didn't happen in yesterday's game and now you're going up against a, a Browns defense that has a very good front so maybe you don't want to put him in that position but at some point you want to see what you have in him right Maybe, but I think the most important thing from here to the rest of the season is that they got to figure out if Kyler Murray can play. And the best thing for the Cardinals the rest of this season is if he shows something and they can trade him in the offseason. And they're going to draft a quarterback anyway, so Clayton Toon, I don't think, could even be anything more than a backup or third quarterback next year. Uh, there is some quarterback news officially out for the Minnesota Vikings with a torn Achilles is Kirk Cousins. We'll dive into the Vikings and the rest of the NFL next. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right. HD radio on 100.7 channel number two. right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. There is time for you to join the program. If you'd like to, give us a call, 602-260-1060. We'll take your phone calls now, 602-260-1060. But as it is, continuing the NFL conversation, the Vikings, uh, they cruised past the Packers yesterday, 24-10. to They're now sitting at 4-4 four and four on the season after their big Monday night football win over San Francisco. The Packers win yesterday. But it comes at great uh, peril to what the Vikings are trying to do. Uh, they lost quarterback Kirk Cousins, tore his ACL or his Achilles, excuse me, tore his Achilles. That has been officially confirmed with an MRI this morning. So when you look at who's on their roster quarterback wise, Nick Mullins, Sean Mannion are currently on their roster at quarterback. Do they try and make a trade before the deadline? There's so much about what this Vikings team uh, has yet to figure out with the trade deadline looming. I think they are sellers. Uh, Jaron Hall, I think, is actually their backup guy, at least right now. Because yeah. a couple of you know, Mannions hurt or something, I believe. But Hall at uh, BYU, ASU saw plenty of him one year. Uh, I actually, when I watched him in college, I think he's got an NFL future, uh, as opposed to some other college quarterbacks who I never imagined are going to be in the NFL ever. Uh, so there's that's you know looking ahead, and you know Cousins, no matter what happened to him yesterday wasn't going to be back with his team next year uh so they you know i think that i don't know if hall was the quarterback of the future but now i guess the quarterback of the present at least for a week uh the the cousins thing obviously obviously awful you know they'd seem like they had turned they definitely had turned things around they have a pretty you know i wouldn't say easy because you know, it's the nfl but a um, you know a schedule that is you can deal with you would think so that obviously changed yeah he is actually uh, he's not missed a start as uh, in his years with the the Vikings except for two week seventeen games when they had already clinched playoff first so he's not missed any games because of injury before this uh, so we'll see what's going on. I think the Vikings become sellers now, and I would assume that they could get a whole lot from Neil Hunter. Uh, as I, we talked about him and other pass rushers during the sports zone today with Nate Davis from USA Today, if you missed that discussion. A lot of things we cover with Nate, uh, whether it be games from yesterday, the Cardinals draft situation, and also the trade deadline. So podcast away if you uh, unfortunately missed uh, the sports zone today. 
The Jets and the Giants. It was a 13 to 10 win for the Jets in overtime. Tyrod Taylor, though, was taken to the hospital with a rib injury. He actually was held overnight as well. Unclear if he's been released yet this morning. Tommy DeVito came on in place of Taylor in this game. Daniel Jones, according to uh, Brian Dable, has been cleared for contact. So he (laughs) will uh, now be in line to practice starting on Wednesday. However, this game... There were 24 punts, 24 punts, and the Jets. And 24, and 24 first downs. <laughs> exactly. And the Jets between go the on two, to win. Between the two teams. Yeah, well, this is the same head coach that last Thursday or Friday, one of those two days, uh, would not even say that Daniel Jones would return this season. And now he's going to practice on Wednesday. So one of the coaches that I uh, think uh, either intentionally or unintentionally offered misleading information in the last week regarding quarterbacks. Uh, you know, he's one of two or three that I can immediately think of. Uh, so we'll see what's going on there. The Giants also, they lose Darren Waller to a hamstring injury. Uh, you mentioned the Taylor thing. This guy's had some horrendous luck as far as injuries go. The most famous thing, obviously, was the uh, the uh, the the situation when he was with the Chargers and he was basically uh, given a shot incorrectly by the team physician. Also yesterday, it looked like that Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal were going to return. We were led to believe that, I believe, from Brian Dable. He didn't deny it last week. And that's uh, two starting tackles, and neither of those guys played yesterday. Then you have the Jaguars beating the Steelers 20-10. to 10. Kenny Pickett left the game with a rib injury. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky on in relief, 15 of 27, 138 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. The ground game for the Steelers, Jalen Warren, five carries, 19 yards. Najee Harris, seven carries, 13 yards. The Jaguars now, though, are 6-2, and two, and they are 4-0 and oh on the road. Yeah, let's go back to Pittsburgh. Minka Fitzpatrick also, <clears throat> excuse me, also left this game with a hamstring injury. Apparently, he's going to be out for a while. Uh, Deontay Johnson should just shut up. Uh, he might be right that there were some things that went against him as far as the officiating, but he didn't have to ramble on and on and on about how the officials cost them the game. I'm sure that's going to cost him some money, as it should. You just got to, you know, if I'm the Steelers, I'm just telling them to just shut up. Don't let them talk to the media after the game if you're going to be that stupid. Uh, but whatever. Uh, Jacksonville's now won five in a row, and it's been much more their defense than their offense. They've now got 17 takeaways this season, which is the most in the NFL. And this game would have been even more, a uh, bigger margin for Jacksonville had Trevor Lawrence not thrown another red zone interception. Then you have here uh, the Eagles and the Commanders. Eagles 38, Commanders 31. A.J. Brown, this is pretty darn impressive the last six games. Uh, So in yesterday's contest, it was eight catches, 130 yards, and two touchdowns. If you look at his last six games, eight catches, 130 yards, 10 catches, 137 yards, seven catches, 131 yards, six catches, 127 yards, nine catches, 175 yards, nine catches, 131 yards, and five touchdowns in those six games. But for whatever reason, the commanders do seem to play the Eagles tough. But in the end, the Eagles prevailed. Going back to the A.J. Brown thing, I appreciate the research there. Uh, you know, my lack of research, that's now six-plus games consecutively with 125 or more yards receiving, and that's an NFL record. He also had eight catches and eight targets yesterday. Uh, and, uh, 
you know, Jalen Hurts now is uh, you know, continues his uh, incredible record on the road, 14 and one, the last 15 road games, and uh, he played with a knee brace yesterday, but he had four touchdowns in the game. So uh, see what's up with that. As far as Washington is concerned, they actually led this game 17 to three. Sam Howell made uh, he made, he made some really good throws in this game, but he also made one really bad throw that put them in significant danger, you know, more danger of losing, and part you know as part of them blowing that lead, and also Ron Rivera might have blown the most or coaching staff whoever's in charge of the challenge system. Uh, they blew a challenge which was an obvious miscall on a drive that really turned the game around when the score was tied 17-17. They gave up a touchdown on that drive as it turned out. The Cowboys completely dominated the Rams here, 43-20. to Matthew Stafford threw a really terrible pick six. Uh, it was returned by Deron Bland. Then you follow that up with a safety. It was just a really rough sequence, followed then by a Cowboys touchdown, 33 to nine at half. Needless to say, yeah, 33 uh, to three, or you know, not even quite midway through the second quarter. Stafford injured on this in this game with a thumb injury. They're not sure of his status moving forward. Yeah, Dak had uh, four touchdown passes uh, for I guess for at least for one week. Uh, the haters, uh, Dak will shut up, but probably not. They'll find something wrong with his four touchdown passes. <laughs> For the Tennessee Titans here, question marks certainly loom about what they're doing. They've already traded safety uh, Kevin Byard to the Eagles here. Questions before the trade deadline. Is it going to be Derrick Henry on the move? Is it going to be DeAndre Hopkins on the move? I've heard both uh, in potential uh, things happening here in the next couple of days. But quarterback-wise, it was Will Levis's first career start, and it was a 28-23 to win over the Falcons. Four-touchdown performance for Will, 19 of 29, 230. 38 yards. Derrick Henry contributed 22 carries, 101 yards. And if you're looking at what do the Titans do at the deadline, they're three and four. Yeah, well, they've publicly said that Henry's not going to be traded. So we'll see if they live up to their pro public uh, proclamation there. Uh, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins had not caught, touch, not caught a touchdown before yesterday. He had three touchdown catches yesterday. Uh, they started this game with a rotation at quarterback with Levis and Malik Willis, but Willis lost a fumble, and he did not come back. Uh, Desmond Ritter. Uh, well, actually, let me start with something more important for Atlanta, in my opinion. Uh, Grady Jarrett is one of the best defensive players in the NFL, left with an injury in this game, and he's been it's confirmed this morning that he's out for the rest of the season. He is a really, really good player. As far as Ritter, there seemed to be some confusion yesterday as whether he was pulled from this game because he's not any good. That's my opinion. But whether he was in a, he was certainly ineffective, or whether he had a concussion. Then they said he was cleared for concussion symptoms and didn't come back. And Heineke was in there at the end of the game. And then Arthur Smith after the game uh, said that he has complete confidence in Ritter. So. However you want to decipher all that stuff, I guess it's up to you. 
Yeah, very confusing. Uh, Desmond Ritter, before he left, though, to get uh, checked out for the concussion protocol, he was 8 of 12 and lost a fumble. So the fumbling issues, turnovers continue for Desmond Ritter. Uh, when it comes to the Dolphins and the Patriots, the Dolphins smoked the Patriots 31-17. to 17. Certainly things flipped just before half. It was a 14-7 lead for the Dolphins. The Pats were driving down the field. Mack threw a really terrible interception at the Miami 23. Jalen Ramsey and his return picked it off. So instead of getting three or seven for the Patriots, the Dolphins end up going the other way and getting three. So 17-7 at half. And then more bad news here for the Patriots. Wide receiver Kendrick Bourne tore his ACL Patriots two and six Dolphins six and two my man Kendrick Bourne who I love when he's in San Francisco he had some good games against the Cardinals I think Kayla you were sitting next to me at least one of those games and I liked him then and I've liked him ever since uh, so feel bad for him uh the weekly post game except for last week but the almost we you know, whenever they lose the weekly post game question of whether you know, Belichick's asked, he's in fact, you know, I think he's been asked about this like three or four losses in a row now. If Mac Jones is a still the starting quarterback, and of course, uh, stunningly, uh, they Belichick does not provide an answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> the Saints 38, Colts 27, Derek Carr 19 of 27, 310 yards, two touchdowns, and one fumble. Taysom Hill got into the end zone with two touchdowns, nine carries, 63 yards. Uh, so the question here is, did the Saints figure things out on offense or was it just a suspect Colts defense? Well, one thing they definitely figured out is they threw it down. Derek Carr heaved it down the field several times with success. Uh, also, they figured out that maybe Alvin Kamara should be getting more touches near the goal line and not just Taysom Hill. And uh, Kamara had one touchdown before yesterday. He had two yesterday. Uh, the Saints were 1-4 in their previous five games. As far as Indianapolis, yeah, we thought they were going to be bad before the season started, and I don't care who the quarterback is. I just don't think they're good. Bryce Young and the Panthers get their first win on the season. It was a 15-13 to victory over the Texans. C.J. Stroud, 16 of 24, 140 yards. Bryce Young, 22 of 31, 235 yards and a touchdown. Honestly, a little... A little disappointed here in the Texans, but I have to keep in mind that they are a young team still. This whole game kind of sucked, apparently. I didn't watch the from anywhere from start to finish. I saw enough highlights. Uh, other than the Bryce Young fourth quarter game-winning field goal drive, which, you know, game-winning, key phrase there, uh, I think that uh, I'm guessing that both quarterbacks probably thought they should have been better. Uh, you didn't like my updates of uh, the game-winning field goal attempt and the Texans player kept jumping off sides each time? Oh, that's right. Moving them closer well, yeah, and closer. You, right. You were, you were sitting next to each other at that point. And he kept telling me, whoa, another offside penalty. <laughs> and I kept telling you, though, that's not a bad idea because that's the only way they're going to win the game or have a chance to not lose the game is if you block the kick. So well, who cares if it's five yards closer? The Seahawks and the Browns. Seahawks 24, Browns 20. The roller coaster of Geno Smith this season continues. He was stellar yeah. to start the game. Then two more interceptions that put the Browns right in it. Then you had a P.J. Walker interception late, putting Seattle in really just needing about 20 yards to kick a game-tying field goal. But Smith ended up connecting with Jackson Smith-Najigba for the game-winning touchdown. And the Seahawks found themselves, despite this roller coaster of Geno Smith, 5-2 and two, and in first place in the NFC West.
That's true. Uh, I know, you know DTR was completely confused in that one start. It's like a month ago. And if Watson can't play, uh, I know Cleveland probably thinks they're a playoff team, but you know there is seemingly where there are like three or four teams that are now with two losses in the AFC. I don't necessarily think they're a playoff team. Uh, Walker should not be starting in a game in the NFL. He's just a turnover machine. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. And just kind of going back to the uh, – it was like everybody was Kyle Whittingham in the NFL last week, or not everybody, but several coaches giving misinformation about injured players. Uh, you know, Ford, uh, best running back, at least on the current roster, at least active on the current roster for Cleveland. They told us numerous times last week that he wasn't going to play and might miss two weeks, and he started yesterday. <laughs> Bengals, they topped the 49ers 31-17. to Brock Purdy cleared concussion protocol to get the start. 22 of 31, 365 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. Christian McCaffrey continues his touchdown streak here. 12 carries, 54 yards and a touchdown. Six catches, 64 yards and a touchdown. But the Bengals coming off of a bye. You're seeing them get a little bit healthier here, having a good game plan against the 49ers. Burrow, 28 of 32, 283 yards and Jamar Chase getting his touches 10 catches 100 yards and a touchdown burrow completed 19 consecutive passes at one point in this game and uh, steve wilkes justifiably getting even more heat why are they playing so much man coverage uh because that's a clear weakness of their secondary is they can't cover guys in man coverage uh trent williams misses another game uh, you mentioned the Purdy thing. The one pick was not his fault. That was just a tremendous play in the red zone by the defender. But the other pick was clearly his fault, so they've lost three straight heading into the bye. I think the best thing for the Bengals yesterday, they were able to run the ball some. And Joe Mixon actually looked good for maybe the first time this year and scored a rushing touchdown, God forbid. <laughs> and the Broncos topped the Chiefs 24-9. to The Chiefs were held were held without a touchdown for the first time since October 24th of 2021. That's a long time that the Chiefs have not been in the end zone. Uh, they obviously had Patrick Mahomes not feeling well ahead of that start. So we'll see how uh, the Chiefs can, you know, rally. Uh, they do have some question marks on the offensive side of the ball, however. It's poll question time. We get to it on the other side of the break. It's the extra point. Ready to bring KTUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KTUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KTUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. While we were talking about the Seahawks and the Browns contest earlier, a trade for the Seahawks, according to Ian Rappaport here, the Seahawks are finalizing a deal that is going to acquire the Giants defensive lineman Leonard Williams in exchange for a 2024 second round pick and a 2025 fifth round pick. Seattle beefing up that defense. Yeah, they, I don't think there's any question that there's no team in the NFL that has increased their defensive personnel uh, more than the Seahawks. They were one of the worst teams, maybe the worst in some cases, in uh, stopping the run last year, and they obviously addressed that in the offseason, and they've continued to do that here lately. Uh, so good for Seattle and John Schneider. 
who has done a really good job as a general manager there. I think probably got not, not enough credit because, you know, Carroll's running up and down the sidelines all the time at the age of 100 or whatever he is. Uh, and not uh, he's like a, a kid that's like 25 or out, out there. Good for him. Uh, but Schneider's done a really good job. I actually think this is a really good trade for both teams. The, the Giants obviously not going anywhere. Leonard Williams still a productive player. And they got a second-round pick. Now, granted, if this goes right for Seattle, it's not going to be a high second-round pick. Uh, but still, a second-round pick is a second-round pick. It's the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And it's time to get into the poll questions. We have a Game 3 in the World Series. It's all tied up 1-1 between the Diamondbacks and the Rangers. So who wins tonight's World Series Game 3 at Chase Field is today's KDOS1060.com poll question. Bob, the options are Diamondbacks or Rangers. What way are you leaning? I actually think the Diamondbacks win tonight, but I've been wrong about them throughout the majority of the playoffs, or really maybe since like the first part of August. <laughs> Does it go way before the playoffs? Uh, the one thing I think I was right about to some extent, even though I unfortunately, unfortunately did not financially cash in on this, I thought they had a really good chance to beat the Dodgers, but that was largely because the Dodgers roster has been decimated really throughout the entire season because of injuries. And uh, so, you know, they won that series. And that didn't surprise me, quite frankly, very much at all. But pretty much everything else has surprised me. And I have no wagering interest in this game tonight. I just hope it's the greatest game ever played. And considering we don't have an extra point tomorrow, I will definitely get into this game. Hopefully it's a close game. Uh, definitely get into this game, especially if it's a close game, in some detail uh, during the sports zone, specifically the uh, 9.30 segment tomorrow. Yeah, so, you know, certainly we have seen uh, pitching from Brandon Fought that we didn't see in the regular season, and he's been really solid here in the postseason. So do we continue that once again? Uh, I also think that it was just really helpful to have Kelly's performance in game two. It allowed the other guys in that game from the bullpen to uh, get rested ahead of what is likely to be a similar type format that we've seen from Brandon fought despite pitching really well uh he's not going through an order more than twice uh in addition to that uh we probably have a bullpen game tomorrow so I, I think it sets up really well for what the Diamondbacks are looking to do I also like what you're seeing from Corbin Carroll at the plate so far in this World Series Cattell Marte keeps hitting as well you're also getting something from Tommy Pham at the plate the bottom of the order we continue to talk about just how uh great Geraldo Perdomo has been in that nine spot. They continue to have a really good mental approach just about game to game. Uh, so I I like what uh, the Diamondbacks have for tonight. So I would pick them uh, in today's game from Chase Field. Yeah. I'm sorry. I think the most important thing here, I, I would be very beneficial to them in the next three days here is if Falk can pitch more than four innings, uh, which, you know, he's only pitched more than, you know, basically four and a third in uh, one playoff game so far. Considering uh, you mentioned a likely bullpen game tomorrow in some shape or form, and then you play three straight days. Uh, so, you know, they did get the day off yesterday, so that helps, you know, the fact that they didn't have to use the, the main, you know, A-level guys on Saturday night because they extended that lead which I thought was the most important thing on Saturday. 
after the Merrill Kelly performance, but you know, one of the reasons they also were able to rest guys is because he was so good. So I think that uh, you know, avoiding the bullpen early tonight, I think, would be beneficial for them to win the next two days. The Diamondbacks are out in front uh, quite considerably now. 81% of the vote, Rangers trailing at 19%. This is the KDOS1060.com poll question. Tossing this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060. This question came from some post-game comments from head coach Jonathan Gannon when asked, uh, you know, is Joshua Dobbs going to be the starter uh, next Sunday in Cleveland? And he said yes. In addition to that, follow-up here with whether or not Kyler would start against the Falcons and he said uh, don't know we're going to be taking it day by day but it looks like Joshua Dobbs for Sunday so are the Cardinals doing the right thing by not having Kyler Murray make his 2023 season debut next Sunday at Cleveland and I'm on the the yes side of things here but I also think there's a lot that we just we just don't know about what's happening in practice so we know that he's practicing we know that the injury designation is telling us that he's practicing in full but we don't know is what sort of practice requirements he's going through is he working with the ones is he working with the practice squad players who what sort of uh things is he required to accomplish and so based upon that he's doing things in full is he you know in in ready to go in terms of all the things that go into the game planning end of things uh it's only been two weeks since he's been activated here uh from the pup list so i think that they're obviously going through through the steps and not going to rush everything and I think that that's important for him for the team as well then if you just want to look at game situation here the Browns defense has a really good front seven here so maybe you uh, don't want him going in that particular contest you want him starting at home yeah I don't really care whether it's home or away I could be malpractice uh, even if they used him this week if it was home against Cleveland uh, they, I think there is no question now uh, that the Cardinals' pass protection uh, has gotten worse as the season has continued here, and uh, they would have even more sack numbers if Dobbs weren't elusive and he avoided even more sacks and hits that he's taken. Uh, so you know, just to put, you know, Murray, I'm sure hasn't been hit yet, <laughs> and uh, you know the the, the full partition and uh, full participant in practice thing. Uh, could mean a lot of things. In, in fact, it could mean he's just like throwing on the side and he's a full participant throwing on the side or we have no idea. And I'm not you know, that's, I'm not being critical of the Cardinals for that or you know, the NFL, quite frankly, because the way that it's structured and we know that this is structured this week, they don't have to tell us that. Uh, so why would you? So I'm not, no problem there. The problem I have is when coaches actually tell you somebody's going to play or not play the week of the game and then they don't play and we had that in at least three cases last week around the nfl and the cardinals and you know jonathan gannon and i don't kayla correct me if i'm wrong here i don't think he's ever given an injury update well ever this year uh given an injury update on any player except for guys who are going to ir or a couple of guys who are out for the season yeah, I don't really remember much. Everything is always pretty pretty vague in, in terms of that. And, day you know, to day. Day <laughs> to day is his favorite phrase. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what they do out on the fields. Something along those lines.
Uh, the masses, though, are on the yes side of things at 72.4% of the vote. No sitting at 27.6%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. One final segment to go of this Monday, October 30th edition of The Extra Point. We do it on the other side of the break. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. And uh, I forgot to mention here, Bob had a conversation with Nate Davis, USA Today. 32 things that we learned from week eight in the NFL, plus things ahead of the NFL trade deadline, which is Tuesday. All of that conversation, you can pop podcast at kdos1060.com or with that kdos1060 app one final segment to go next your caddy ray adams takes you beyond the 18th hole on saturday mornings with great american golf from 6 to 7 a.m on kdus am 1060 online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos1060 app bob it's thank you time okay before i forget this part i want to thank kayla for a very informative and uh, interesting off-air discussion between the break there okay <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> yeah no problem that was fun all right uh the rest of this is fun too as always we thank you for listening special thanks to callers emailers tweeters texters whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today around the NFL, Nate Davis from USA Today, 32 things that Nate learned from yesterday. I didn't get to read it before I talked to Nate because that's part of my Monday afternoon routine, and we had a lot going on the last few days here, football and baseball and basketball-wise, so I tried to get caught up in as much of that as I could, even though I didn't even get anything about the Suns, and they won. So there you go. A uh, very important regular season game, the third game of the season. Uh, meanwhile, on uh, Tuesday, we'll have our weekly fantasy football update, waiver wire, and certainly a lot of injuries yesterday. Uh, hopefully there won't be any trades like like during the show yet tomorrow from 9 to 10. John McKechnie scheduled to join us again from rotowire.com. What do you do if you got Kirk Cousins? Uh, that's a prediction that uh, if that's not the first question, it's going to be pretty close. If that's not the first question, uh, probably somebody got hurt tonight. We certainly don't want that to happen in the Lions' first home Monday night game since 2018. Uh, meanwhile, sound day courtesy of Fox, CBS, Pac-12 Networks, ESPN, and also NBC. And uh, special thanks, as always, to Corey and Aaron and Kayla. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 4.45 today because we do have the Monday night contest for you between the uh, Raiders at the Lions, pregame 4.45, kickoff at 5.15 p.m. World Series Game 3, it's Brandon Fott, Max Scherzer, 5.03 start on Fox. 
Uh, we didn't mention the lines or anything like that. Raiders plus seven and a half. Lions minus seven and a half. Over under sitting at 46 and a half. And uh, to get it in, the Suns did beat the Jazz 126 to 104 on Saturday. They didn't have Devin Booker, who uh, is out with an ankle injury. Didn't have Bradley Beal. Didn't play with a back injury. Kevin Durant led the way. Eight of 11, 26 points. They'll host the Spurs on Tuesday night. So it's at a Wembemiana game. Uh, Tuesday, 7 p.m. on TNT. Good luck getting downtown on Tuesday night. That'll do it for this edition of The Extra Point. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic Monday. Bob Camp in the Sports Zone with you tomorrow at 9 a.m.